0: Google. I do that
1: sometimes. Any of y'all do that? Just type things into Google to see what'll come up. I, I typed in "What is the greatest truth," and uh, you can kind of imagine some of the things you get, right? I mean, you got all these little sayings like, uh, you know, "Happiness is a choice." Uh, Put one foot in front of the other. Tomorrow's another day. Just these little, these little sayings that people on social media just seem to seem to love, right? Uh, I will say this though, there was one guy. And his contribution to what is the greatest truth was, uh, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And, and I will say I did have to give that at least momentary consideration as, as the greatest truth. But uh, I decided to go a little bit deeper, and uh, I typed into Google, what is the greatest truth in the Bible? And uh, I got some really good answers. Uh, one guy said he thought the greatest truth was God loves us. That's John three sixteen. Uh, another person said they thought that Jesus is the only way is the greatest truth in the Bible. That's John uh, 14, 6. Now, I need to do a little disclaimer right about here. You see, we know what the greatest command in the Bible is. The reason we know that is because somebody asked Jesus that question in Matthew 26, and, and he answered that question. The greatest command is to love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But nobody ever asked what's the greatest truth. Just, it just never, I guess that never wasn't important for anybody to do. And so whatever I say here today, I have an opinion of what's the greatest truth. You might have an opinion of what's the greatest truth. But, but mine, my title is The Greatest Truth, so I just kind of wanted to put a disclaimer, is that it's a little bit of, uh, of my opinion. But as I've gotten older... I turned 57 yesterday, and as I've gotten older, I've spent more years in church, I've spent more years in the Bible, I've studied it more, I've taught it more. Uh, Hopefully, I've become a a more mature Christian. And I can tell you that in my life, I keep coming back to this one truth over and over and over again. I, I just can't get enough of it and i'll just sometimes i'll just lay there at night and it'll just pop into my head and i'll just think about it and all its ramifications and to me it's just if it's not the greatest truth it is right up there with the greatest truth that there's ever been now you'll find this truth in colossians 1:16 and i'm going to read that for you colossians 1:16 says this for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. It, it says that by Him, He is the source of all created things. John 1.3 says, He made all things and without Him was not anything made that was made. So He is the source. Through Him, He is the means. Colossians 1.17 will go on to say that Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. By the way, that should blow our mind. Do you understand that your heart is beating right now because Jesus is holding it together? Amen. That this earth is in its orbit with the other planets all because Jesus is, is holding it together? Job 34 says that if he would withdraw his spirit, we would collapse into dust and it would be all over. Scientists are always looking for things like black matter and trying to figure it all out. And it says right here, through Him, He holds it all together. But what captures me, what I keep coming back to again and again, is two little words at the end of that verse. For Him. For Him. You see, He is the goal. Have you ever asked yourself these these questions, what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? What is, what is all this about? Dr. John Moorhead is a, a, a doctor of, I think, behavioral sciences at University of Chicago. And several years ago, he sent a survey out to 250 people around the country, scholars and authors and, and intellectual people and, and, and actors and just famous people. And he asked them one simple question, what is the meaning of life? What's the meaning of life? And most of them wrote back and they came up, even the ones that answered it said, you know, to be honest, I'm just making that up. Several of them came back and said, I got no idea. And even some of them wrote back and said, if you know, can you please tell me? See, the fact is, nobody could know what the meaning of life was. But those two simple words answers all the deepest questions right there. For Him. You see, He's the goal. He's the point. He's the purpose. It's all about Him. Jesus Christ is the final and ultimate meaning of all reality. All things are created for Him. All things exist to display His glory. All things. That means nothing in this world exists for its own sake. From the lowest valley to the highest mountain. From the the slum in India to the penthouse in New York City. From the grossest cockroach to the most beautiful woman From the most boring science subject to the greatest, uh, the most boring school subject to the greatest scientific discoveries, from the greatest saint to the vilest dictator, all things, all things are created by him, through him, and for him. I wrote this down. There's no explanation for what is or for what happens that is deeper or more decisive than those two words for him. It's all about him. Now, I think that is an awesome truth. I think it is a magnificent truth. But here's the thing, it's got to be more than just for our heads. There's got to be some application to that. There's got to be some, some help for us in our daily life. You see, after all, God doesn't tell us everything. You ever notice that in the Bible? There's certain things He just doesn't tell us. In fact, I, I, you know, the Bible says I think the secret things belong to God. So He doesn't tell us everything, but He did tell us this. He did say that all things are by Him, through Him, for Him. So, what does He want us to know? How how should that help us? Well, I'm going to give you two ways this morning that that truth has affected my life, and hopefully it will affect yours. Number one, when I read that for Him, it recenters my focus. It recenters my focus. Can we be honest, if we will, how easy it is for us to get distracted by the next little shiny thing? We are so easy, man. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We are just, we just, we just so prone to chase after the next little shiny thing. I live up on the north side of the county above blocks and cut off and there's a sign up there. You all see it. And several months ago, I was going by that sign, and something, something caught my eye. On one side of that sign, when you're coming south, it said, Waculla loves Jesus. And on the other side of that sign, it said, Buy a new car from bald headed Bob. Did y'all see that one? You saw it, didn't you? I think they've changed it now. And I don't know bald headed Bob. I'm sure he's a nice fella. But that, that kind of encapsulated for me our life. It's kind of the choices we make, right? On one side, ball-headed Bob. On the other side, Jesus Christ. On the one side, eternal things, majestic things, glorious things, things that matter. And on the other side, get a new car. I mean, think about that. that, that, that that's the constant pull at you and I as we go through our lives. Jesus or ball-headed Bob. I mean, and we just get pulled aside to those things. There's a story... I want to tell you about two brothers. This is a true story, by the way. There are two brothers. One is the older brother. He is a, he's a man's man. This guy, he's a, he can hunt, he can fish, he can, he, can supply, he can supply and take care of his family, protect his family. I mean, he's a, he's a man's man. He's handsome. Everybody loves him and likes him and looks up to him. And to top it all off, this guy, he's a nice guy. I mean, he really is. There's a, there's a situation that comes up in his family a few years later where him and his brother are sharing a piece of property and their, their families have kind of gotten too big and, and they have to separate. And this older brother, this man's man, this leader, he says to his other brother, Hey, man, don't worry about it. You stay here and I'll go find another place. I mean, he, he was a nice guy. Now, the younger brother, on the other hand... Um, he wasn't so much a man's man. I'm trying to find the right way to put it, but he was just a mama's boy. Um, his, the Bible says his, uh, he was a man of the tents. I mean, I mean, he liked to stay in the tent rather than outside. Um, his favorite thing to do was the next recipe or find the next, you know, uh, whatever for cooking. Now listen, nothing wrong for, with you men that like to cook, but I'm just saying if I was going to hang out with one of those two guys, I'd want to hang out with the, with the, with the older brother. Right? Just, I'd, I'd want to hang out with, with him. Well, this older brother goes on, and back there in those days when this story happened, they married uh, multiple wives, and he, he married multiple beautiful women. I mean, like I said, he's this big leader and all of this, and, and uh, so he marries these beautiful women, and they just give him all these sons, and the sons are just like their daddy. They're all men's men, they're all hunters, they're all, uh, they all they lead armies, they all grow up to become kings and chieftains, and, and literally this family in that day was like the, it, it was a dynasty, just like the Rockefellers or the Kennedys or the Fords today. If you would have gone back then, everybody knew their name. Oh, he, man, he's got these sons, and have you seen his wives, and they, they've got kingdoms, and I mean, from the outside, everything looked great. But there was one little problem with that man and his family, and that was God was not part of it. This man was a thoroughly secular man, and he taught his children to be exactly the same way. They were thoroughly secular. They, they lived for the here and now. They lived for the next shiny car. They, they lived for the, the next piece of land they could conquer. They didn't, they didn't, God was not in their, in their thoughts or in their family. He was a se- successful man. The sons became successful men in their own right, but they all failed at the one thing that mattered most, and that is God was not in their lives. Now the younger brother, if you followed his life, he wasn't so successful. Um, He had a lot of drama, a lot of things happened, he ended up having to go off to a foreign land and, and he came back and then he had to go to a foreign land and when he died, he wasn't even living in his home. I mean, so nobody, when one brother you look at, successful from the world standpoint. The other brother, not so much. But here's the thing. In the end, the older brother, by the way, we know him as Esau. He faded into the dustbin of history. Nobody ever talks about him anymore. And by the way, Hebrew 12.7 says this. There was a time in his life where he changed his mind. He wanted to find God. And Hebrews 12, 7 says this, For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. You see, there came a time in his life where he decided to find God, and it was too late. It was too late. See, if you're here today, and, and, and you're chasing after the next shiny little thing, and you're just, you're just all about the here and now, and you're, you're leaving God out of your life, and you think one day... One day when I'm ready, you don't know that. You don't know that. You don't know that. You need to come to God now while you can. Now the younger brother, by the way, we still read about him every day in the news. His given name was Jacob, but God changed his name to Israel. You see, that older brother, from outside everything was great, but he forgot the one thing that mattered most, And that's a relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship with God. The younger brother, not the greatest guy, wasn't even the nicest guy, but he kept God first. And that paid off in the end. I don't know about you, from time to time, we find ourselves at cemeteries. Uh, We go to a funeral, and whenever I'm at a cemetery, I tend to walk around. Anybody else do that? I like to walk around and and read the, the headstones and just... Think about the people and their lives and and who they were and, and what they were like. Um, several years ago, Kathy and I were up in uh, Alexandria, Virginia, and we went to the church there where uh, George Washington and Robert E. Lee went to church. And we were walking around in the graveyard. So there's people out there that's been dead in the 1600s. You know, they've been dead for years. And I often think when you find an older grave like that, that the people buried there had at one time... They had people they loved and people loved them. They had children and they had grandchildren. But as time goes by, you think about it, some of those people, their children had died. Their grandchildren had died. Their great-grandchildren had died. And now I'm just some guy walking in a cemetery looking at a headstone, got no idea who they are or who they were. And I often, when I walk through a cemetery like that, I think one day that'll be me. We had a a funeral here yesterday, and and there was a man laid in a casket right here. And Brother Bill stood on this platform, and he said this. One day, in the past, that man sat right where you are. One day, you'll lay right where he is. You see, death is coming for all of us. It's not unnatural. The question is, one day, I'll be in a grave, and all the people that love me will be gone. Nobody will even know who I was. And you're saying right now, wow, you're like Debbie Downer here or something, right? But you see, folks, that's not negative. It's not pessimistic. It's reality. It's the reality. We may pretend like it's not. We may want to put it out of our mind. But the fact is, there's coming a day where every single one of us unless Jesus Christ comes back before we will lay there and all the people that know us and love us and are important to us they'll be gone as well. See the point is and what I, that walk through that cemetery what it does for me it recenters me. It recenters me and it says, are you are you focusing on the things that matter? Are you focusing on the things that matter? Am I living for the things that really count? You see this is what Colossians 1:16 does for me. When I read Colossians 1:16, all things are by Him, through Him, for him. It recenters me. It, it, it refocuses me, that it reminds me it's all about Jesus. See, in the end, no matter how much money you got, no matter how much power, no matter all those things, we're all going to stand before Jesus exactly the same. That, that person in a slum in India to the President of the United States will stand before Jesus exactly equal. All the money, all the power, all that stuff don't mean nothing. You're going to stand before Jesus and He's going to ask the question, Do you know me? Do you know me? And and for those that are Christians and we do know Him, the question is going to be, Did you live for me? That that family I gave you, that was for me. What did you do with it? That, that, That job I gave you, the people that I put around you and under you, under your authority, what, did, you, did you influence them for me? What did you do? Remember, it's for me. The money that I gave you to pay your bills with, I gave you extra. What did you do with it? It was for me, remember? That, that life that I gave you, that stood by you through thick and thin and loved you, that marriage that I gave you, that was for me. What did you do with it? See, we're all going to stand and answer those questions because it's all for Him. The funny thing about this message is I almost entitled it The Greatest Truth That No One Wants to Hear. And you would think, well, why would you do that? Because can I be honest with you? Our flesh likes to have our ears tickled. And we like people to say it's all about you. But I'm here to tell you it ain't about you. It's never been about you. It never will be about you. Ephesians 1, 4-6 says this, and listen to this. What a scripture. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. And then there's that phrase. To the praise of His glorious grace. If you're here this morning you're born again, it's to the praise of His glorious grace. If you know Him... If you know Him and you've been justified and called and chosen and sanctified, let me tell you, it's all for Him. It's always been about Him. It was never about you. It's to the praise of His glorious grace. And even in churches across this country, we want to hear it's all about you. No. No, it's about Him. I want to come in and sing songs like we did this morning. It does something for me when I stand there and all the songs are about Him. I don't want to hear about me. It ain't about me. It's about Him. Worship Him. Glorify Him. Honor Him. Because then we're lined up with the truth. We're walking in God's Word. Because it's all about Him. It's always been about Jesus Christ. It always will be in the future. Now, there's one more thing that Colossians 1.16 does for me. I said the first thing it does for this truth is it re-centers my focus. The second thing it does is it increases my faith. I want to go back to that verse and read it one more time. Colossians 1.16 says this, For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. Now, this is really interesting to me. If all things are created by Him then Paul literally had millions of examples he could have chosen. He could have chosen stars or galaxies or, or human beings or, or elephants or the whales. or He could have chosen any of the millions and million things to list in that verse. But he didn't choose any of those things. Read it again. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. And here's his example. Whether thrones or dominions, or rulers and authorities. Those are the same rulers and authorities that Paul calls out in Ephesians 6.12 where he says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but rulers and authorities and spiritual wickedness in, in high places. Isn't that interesting that of all the millions of things he could have chosen that Christ created, he chose evil, supernatural forces in the heavenlies. That just, that astounds me. And, I, and of course, I, I like to ask questions. Well, why, Paul? Why would you pick that example to choose? Well, think about this. The first thing, where do they come from? These evil demons, these supernatural forces. Where do they come from? He created them. He created them. Why do they exist? For Him. For Him. That, that's, a, that's crazy to me when you think about it. Even the demons, when it's all said and done, are going to bring glory to Jesus Christ. All these evil, supernatural, the suffering, the sin, and the end, in ways that we can't understand, it's going to bring glory to Jesus Christ. Even demons are being used by God when it's all said and done. Now, again, why would Paul tell us this? Because I think he wants to increase our faith. He wants you to know that, Derek, no matter what comes into your life, no matter what's trying to destroy you, no matter what you have to go through, it's for my glory. I'm in control. God's got this. Don't worry about it, son. There's a great example I want to give you just to show you that I'm not making this up. In uh, 2 Corinthians 12, Paul tells a story. And in this story, he starts off and he says, I was, uh, I was caught up into heaven, Paul says. And Paul's like, man, whether I was in the body or out of the body, I don't really have a clue. I, I don't know whether it was a vision, whether it was real experience, I don't know. And then Paul says, I saw things up there that I cannot repeat. I saw things there that I cannot repeat. Now, he gets down to verse 7. And I want to read this to you. He says this, To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited. Leave that up there for just a second. Now, Who gave Paul the thorn in the flesh? Who sent the messenger of Satan? Well, we know because look at the purpose. Paul says it twice. To keep me from becoming conceited. To keep pride out of my life. Folks, let me tell you, Satan is not interested at all in keeping (laughs) pride out of your life. He knows God hates pride. He's not interested in that. That's God. God gave him the thorn in the flesh. God allowed the messenger of Satan to come against him. I mean, just don't miss what's happening in that verse. God allows Satan to harass Paul in order to prevent Paul from sinning. God is using demons to thwart the prince of demons. God is using Satan to conform Paul to the image of Jesus Christ. I mean, that just just blows my mind. At the end of the day, that messenger of Satan is being used to bring glory to Jesus Christ. And this is not unique to the Apostle Paul. Romans 5, 3 and 4 says this, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Let me tell you, why does Paul tell us this? Why, of all the, all the uh, examples he could have used, does he pick the, these uh, dominions and authorities and all of this? Because he wants you to know God's got this. God's got this in His life, and God's got it in your life. And even if all hell is coming against you, it's being used, it's for Him. It's for Him. Listen, that that, that husband that won't come with you to church, it's going to be for Him. In one form or another, it's for Him. That cancer diagnosis is for Him. The sufferings, the trials, the tribulations, at the end of the day, all things are for Him. That wayward child, that rebellious child, is for Him. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't tell you all the ins and outs, but this I know. It's for Him. Life has a way of of throwing us curveballs, doesn't it? There are times life is really good. Right? I mean, there's times life is just really good. Let me tell you, even during those times, that lose your focus focus remember it 's all about him it 's all for him the money, the cars, the houses, all the things we chase after it's just it's just it 's going to rust it 's going to tear up um, it, it, it's not it 's nothing it 's meaningless. you know I was thinking the other day kathy and i are are selling our house and I and, uh, just bought some property and we're getting we 're going to build a new house and, and i 'm fifty seven and at the at the best at the best maybe i 've got 25 years to enjoy it. And then somebody else is going to live in that house. Somebody else is going to drive that car. Somebody else is going to get on my tractor. They're going to do those things. It's just temporary stuff. Am I, am I focusing on the things that matter? Am I taking the situations in my life and am I using them for the glory of God? Because that's why they were given me. Whether good or whether bad. So when times are good in your life, we need to remember it's only for a while. We need to keep our focus on the main thing, and that is Jesus Christ is the goal, the point, the purpose of it all. And by the way, when, it, when the ball curves and all of a sudden life can be really bad, remember the exact same thing. It's only for a while. It's only for a short while. We need to remember that still, even in those times, the point, the purpose, the goal is Jesus Christ. I close with Romans 11.36, which is very similar to uh, Colossians 3.16. It says this, For from Him and through Him and for Him are all things to Him.
0: Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.